Good morning, Avenue Church. I'm so glad to see you all here this morning. For many of us, we've already had two cups of coffee because it is daylight savings time. To all of you who are parents of small children, I just give you a round of applause. You are so brave. I know when I went to go wake up my preschooler this morning, I was ready with boxing gloves on. I was ready for a fight because I knew that we had lost an hour. So I'm so grateful you're here. Kudos to you. And if you need another cup of coffee, it's right there in the lobby. Well, let's get started. My name is Lindsay Bosma, and I wanna take a moment to get acquainted with you because for many in the room, you don't know me very well. And that's okay, because over time, we are going to get to know each other better. But I wanna share just a few quick things about myself. I was raised here in Las Vegas. I spent the majority of my life in the Sunrise Mountain area in Eastside Las Vegas. I'm married to Pastor Jeremy. Yes, it'll be 10 years in October. Yay, he survived, right? <laughs> my parents told him before we got married, are you sure you wanna marry her? Can you handle her? Because we don't accept any returns. And well, 10 years later, he's still handling me, so that's pretty good, right? I am the mother of a very, very fun five-year-old. I love Jesus with all of my heart, and I am living proof that God takes people out of their selfishness, out of their circumstances, and graces them with purpose. You see, I was called to the ministry 13 years ago, and my most favorite thing to do in all of the world is to teach the Bible. I love to teach the Word of God because I believe it changes lives. And today, lives can change. Today, we are continuing the series, Next Steps, where we are discovering what our next step is in our journey of faith, because we're all on a journey of faith. We may be in, in different seasons in our journey or different, some might be a little bit further along, but we're all on a journey in faith. And at Avenue Church, we want each person to experience things on this journey. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And today I wanna to talk to you about finding freedom. It's our step two of next steps. How do we find freedom? But let me pray for you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you for your word and the opportunity that I have this morning to teach it. I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that ears would be open, that hearts would be open. I'm not sure what people experience this week, but I'm asking that just for this moment that we could set aside, God, our worry, set aside our frustrations and put ourselves in a position to hear from you, to hear your word and be changed, God, by you. I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You see, last week, Pastor Jeremy talked to us about the plight of the Israelites. Pharaoh, the Egyptian king, he had seen that the Israelites, the Jews, that they were multiplying in number. They were prospering in work. They were successful, but they were peaceful. But even though they were peaceful, they were growing more powerful. And Pharaoh felt threatened by that. When an enemy sees somebody being successful, the enemy feels threatened by that, doesn't he? See, I want you to know that our enemy looks at us. He sees the blessings on our lives. He sees the success we're experiencing. He sees the peace. He sees the potential for a powerful work of God in and through us, and he does not like it. 
It threatens him when he sees you moving in the things of God. So what does an intimidated enemy do? And in this case, an intimidated, intimidated Egyptian king do with this potential threat? He enslaved the Israelites. He took away their freedom. He controlled their population. He ordered harsh working conditions. I'm talking brutal, cruel working conditions. The scripture tells us that the Egyptians showed absolutely no mercy to the Israelites, but instead made their lives bitter. And we find in Exodus chapter six that the people had been crying out. So many of us in this room, we've experienced some very hard conditions in life. Conditions so difficult that they've caused us to cry out, cry out in pain, cry out in sadness, cry out in despair. And if you're anything like me, maybe cry out in anger. See, I told you we're going to get to know each other, but we cry out and we wonder, is anybody listening? And we find in Exodus chapter six that the Israelites had been crying out to be saved. Somebody save us. And hear me, God was listening. And he responds with this beautiful, beautiful list of promises in Exodus chapter six. He says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore. God is saying, I'm going to bring you to the promises that I swore up with an uplifted hand to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. You see, God said, he declared, I'm going to be your God. You're going to know me. I will be your God and you will be my people. I am taking you out of Egypt. I'll be your salvation. And their salvation story is incredible. Many of us are familiar with it. God used a man named Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. Do you remember that? Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses led them out and the Israelites simply had to trust God and walk. Hear me, they may have been fearful but the only thing that God required of them is I want you to walk to freedom. They weren't going to fight the enemy. God would do that for them. In fact, in one point of the story, the Israelites are in the middle and on one side, you have Pharaoh. He called out all the chariots, all the army because he decided, oh no, I'm not letting the Israelites go. I want them back as my slaves. And so the Israelites are in the middle and the Egyptian army is on one side. And if you look to the other side, there's the raging Red Sea and they are stuck. They're absolutely stuck. And so what does God do? He says, Moses, I want you to raise up your staff. And that staff was just a stick. He said, I want you to raise up that stick and point it over the Red Sea. And as Moses did that, a mighty wind came through and it literally parted the Red Sea. And the Israelites were able to walk across that Red Sea to their salvation on dry ground. And once all the Israelites were out of the Red Sea, the Red Sea then enclosed on the enemy. And God had even told them, the enemy that you see today, you will no longer see. And there the enemy was completely destroyed, crushed in the Red Sea. You see, Moses had raised up a staff 
as part of their salvation to get away from the enemy. But do you know that our Jesus was raised up on a cross? God gave his life for you and I so that we would no longer be slaves to death, slaves to sin. The Israelites didn't work for their salvation. And you and I do not work for our salvation. Jesus Christ did the work. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In the same way that God freed the Israelites from the grips of the Egyptians, God has freed us from the enemy. He delivered us from the power of death. He delivered us from the power of sin. And now we can know God, which opens up the door to find freedom. You see, God took the Israelites out of Egypt. He crushed Pharaoh. And he said, you're a free man. You're a free woman. Child, you are free. But there was one problem. And it's the same problem that we have today. You see, God took the Israelites out of Egypt. But now the people had to get Egypt out of them. You see, we all can experience salvation by knowing God. But for many of us, we still have those hangups and those habits inside of us that God wants to come and bring out. He wants not to just take us out of Egypt, but he wants Egypt to come out of us. You see, salvation is easy. It's simply accepting what God did for us through Jesus Christ. It's recognizing that I'm a sinner and there is nothing that I can do in my own strength or my own work to make it right between me and God. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve to have a life and a wonderful relationship with God. But because God loved me so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be my salvation. Salvation is easy because it just takes us admitting that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of Christ as my salvation. But to find freedom, <laughs> salvation is easy, but to find freedom, now that's a journey. I want you to turn your neighbor to your neighbor and I want you to say, I'm about to go on a journey. Now turn to your other neighbor and I want you to you know, put your chin up a little bit and say, you going? You know what's sad? 87% of Christians never get past the knowing God stage. And in Avenue Church, we exist to make a way for people to know Jesus and to experience new life. But statistically speaking, the majority of Christians are never going to move from knowing Jesus, which is good. Hear me, it's good to know Jesus. It's good to know God. It's good to know that I have eternal life because of salvation. But hear me, God has an abundant life for you to live now on earth. Some of us are just waking up each day and we're going to bed each night and we are simply surviving each day. We're tolerating each day. But God has called us to life and more than enough abundant kind of life. So I say at Avenue Church, let's shatter some statistics. Let's be a church that doesn't just say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I know God. But let's be a church that experiences that freedom kind of life, that abundant life that's in Christ Jesus. So how do we do it? Because that all sounds great, Pastor Lindsay, but how do we do it? How do we find freedom? It's actually quite simple. You connect. You consistently connect to find freedom. And all the introverts in the room just said, oh man, hang on with me introverts, I feel ya but you need to consistently connect regardless of your personality.
If you want to find freedom, you have to consistently connect to resources and to relationships. Resources and relationships. You see, freedom is a journey. Freedom is a process in which you have to walk on and you have to connect to resources. But hear me, God will not call you to a place that he will not supply for you. If God has called you, which he has, he has called you to freedom, then he is going to supply you with resources for that freedom. You see, he had called 600,000 Israelite men. When he said, I want to deliver you from Egypt, there were 600,000 men. That's not including women or children. So you're talking about a million and a half to two million Israelites that were going to make their way out of Egypt to salvation and onto their journey to freedom. That's a whole lot of people. That's a whole lot of needs, a million needs, a million thoughts, a million attitudes. And you thought your family meetings were bad. Imagine the Israelites. And check this out. So they're on their journey for about a month and a half. And things aren't moving as quickly as they thought they would. And they're in the middle of the desert and the resources are starting to tap out. And they begin to speak this. Instead of saying, I'm thankful that I'm no longer a slave. Instead of saying, I'm so grateful that I'm on this journey to freedom. I'm so grateful that I saw the Red Sea part. I saw my enemies destroyed. No, this is what they begin to say. Only a month and a half into the journey. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the desert to starve the entire assembly to death. You see, the fact of the matter is, is that freedom doesn't typically happen overnight. Purpose normally is not discovered in a short month. And we, like the Israelites, may be tempted to think that our life before salvation before we met Christ was better than what God is offering us now. Why? Because it's not happening quick enough. This freedom process isn't moving as quickly as I thought it would be. I thought I'd be a lot further along right now. See, we can't get to a place when we start fantasizing that our life, that our Egypt before Christ is better than our life now. You may be thinking, oh, but I dated before Christ. I wasn't lonely before Christ. I had all these dating relationships, but yeah, but you forget that you were lied to. You forget that you never felt like you were enough. You forget that someone cheated on you, but yet you're fantasizing that your Egypt was so much better than you're now because you're not as far along as you thought you would be. You see, the children of Israelite, or the Israelites, the children of Israel, they are so lucky that I am not God. <laughs> because as a parent, because God's our heavenly father is a parent, I would have drop kicked the children of Israel right back to Egypt. And I would say, send me a postcard if Pharaoh lets you. Don't complain to me, I just saved you. <laughs> but that's not what God does. Praise the Lord because he is a good and kind and loving father. And he says, oh, you're running out of resources. You're, you're hungry. Okay, I'll send bread from heaven. That's what he says in Exodus 16, 4. He told Moses to say to the people, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. I love bread. That's why I am not a buck 20 because I love bread. I don't have a sweet problem. I have a carb problem. I enjoy bread. I remember over 20 years ago when Olive Garden opened up. Come on, somebody, those breadsticks. You don't just eat one breadstick or a breadstick when your basket gets a little low, man. They come and they refill that for you. Do you know how many calories are in those breadsticks? I ain't going to tell you. Yes, I am. There are 150 a piece. 
and you've already had three before your entree even came. And let's not forget about the Alfredo sauce. Man, you dip it in that Alfredo sauce. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. I love pizza. Why do I love pizza? Because it's simply bread with meat and cheese and sauce on it. It's incredible. My son won't eat the crust and I don't even get mad because I'll eat it for him. What's wrong with him? It's bread, it's amazing. See, bread was a resource to the Israelites. Do you know that God gave them bread every single day of their journey? We also have bread as a resource for our journey. Do you know that your Bible is referred to as your daily bread? Your Bible, in it, in it, the scripture says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God. This word is Jesus. And we are called to take part in it, to eat it, to devour it as if it were our daily bread. See, this is one of our greatest resources. It's filled with truth, promises, direction, encouragement, instruction. So in times when we may be thinking that Egypt is better than the process that God is taking me through to get me to my purpose, then we need to consistently connect with the Bible because it's our bread. You know I love bread. <laughs> Do any of you like bread? Good, because I brought some to share. I did. Mia, do you like banana bread? Awesome, are you, are you allergic to bananas? Nope, you're good. Okay, what about walnuts? Because this is banana walnut bread. You want a slice? Good, because I want to give you a slice. Mia, you can take one slice of bread. But here's the deal. You can eat that slice of bread however quickly or slowly you want. But you cannot have another slice of bread until next Sunday. So today on Sunday, you are getting one slice of bread and that means for the next seven days, you don't get to eat anything else but this one slice of bread. I need it to sustain you until you get back here next Sunday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday you can have another slice of bread. Now in all reality, friends, do you think that one piece of bread is going to sustain Mia for an entire seven days? No. You're not gonna die, Mia, but you're gonna be starving by next Sunday. And some of you are catching on. Here's the deal, is that we cannot sustain ourselves, spiritually speaking, on one slice of bread a week. We can't just come here on a Sunday morning and hear the word of God and wondering why we're not seeing more progress throughout the week in our journey to freedom if we are not taking part in our daily bread. God gave the Israelites bread. It was called manna. He rained down manna from heaven every single day so that every single day they would have something to eat. We've got to read our bread. We've got to eat our bread every single day. And some of you hear me, I, I feel your pain. You may be thinking, Pastor Lindsay, no matter what the translation, I just don't understand the Bible. No matter how large the print, I don't get it. Well, this is what I want to challenge you. You see, as your pastor, I love you. I pray for you. I've been praying for you before this church even started. I pray for you daily. And I want you to, ch I want to challenge you open to the book of Mark. The book of Mark is the gospel. It's a stories of Jesus. And try just reading one chapter a day. One chapter a day. And I promise you, you're going to see more progress on your journey to freedom. Because we need to consistently connect to the word of God, to hear that truth, to hear those things in our lives to help us out with our freedom journey. You see, at 18 years old, God took me out of Egypt and I was living the most insecure yet self-absorbed life 
but I received salvation. And I began to know God and I started the process of getting Egypt out of me. I started my own journey to freedom and moved toward discovering my purpose. And it was for years. He took selfishness out of me and he transformed it into compassion. He took insecurity and changed it to humility in Christ. He took my tough, oh my goodness, I was so tough. Nobody was getting past this exterior. And he made me kind and he made me approachable. He took my source of pain because we've all experienced pain, but he took my source of pain and he showed me how to forgive that source of pain. Not only did he show me the power of forgiveness, but hear me, he gave me the ability now to see the person who caused me pain, to see that person the way that Jesus sees them, full of potential, full of possibility for new life. You wanna know why? Because connecting to God Connecting to these resources like your word, it leads to change. And change leads to freedom. And today, even God is still removing Egypt out of me. He still takes my pride and he gently corrects me. He's still patient with my shortcomings and lovingly reminds me that I'm called to so much more. And we're still getting pieces of Egypt out of me. But Jesus Christ, the living word, begins to change us. He changes our thoughts our speech, our behaviors, our heart changes, all because slowly but surely, gently but precisely, Egypt is coming out of us. Freedom is a journey. You need to connect to resources. When you start reading your word, you're gonna be amazed with how it impacts other things, like prayer. Prayer is a resource. And prayer begins as a simple conversation with God where you're praying about your day, you're praying for your kids, you're, you're just you're talking to God and you're learning how to communicate with him. But when you start reading your Bible and you start finding out some of these promises in this word, like I am more than a conqueror with Christ in me, that he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. When I read scriptures that tell me that nothing can separate me from the love of God, there's no height, no depth. When I start reading those things, my prayer starts changing to declaration. And I start declaring these things over my life. So when I'm feeling like Egypt is overtaking me a little bit, no, 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 no. I start making declarations. When I start to feel tempted by the enemy or attacked by the enemy, I start declaring these things over my life that no, 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 no. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. It doesn't matter if I messed up last night. I am a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. There are things that I receive because of the word of God. So my prayers start to become declaration. And then I might get a little bit bolder because, man, more of this word is getting in me on my journey to freedom. And now all of a sudden, my prayer, I see it as a weapon because that's what the Bible tells me. My prayer can be a weapon that now that the word is getting Egypt out of me, I get a little bit bolder and I start believing that Egypt can come out of those that I love. I start believing in the mighty name of Jesus for the salvation of our spouses, don't we? We start praying for our wives. We start praying for our husbands. We start praying for that adult child that's been far from Christ for way too long. And we start making declarations over their life. Man, God is good. Connection leads to change and change leads to freedom. And the enemy hates that. The enemy doesn't want you to tap into resources. No, the enemy wants you to suffer. The enemy doesn't want you to know your potential for freedom. He wants you to live because he wants to stay connected to you. In John 10, 10, the Bible says the thief comes to steal and kill and to destroy. But God says, I have come. Jesus has come that they may have life 
and have it to the full. See, when you are on this journey to freedom, I need you to be confident that you're not walking it out by yourself. You've got your word, you've got prayer, but you've also got power. Power is a resource that you can consistently connect to because the Holy Spirit was given to us as a gift by Jesus Christ. And Romans 8, 11 says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that same powerful spirit that resurrected our Savior, it lives inside you and I. So we have power and authority over the enemy. We have power and authority to say, Egypt, you don't get to enslave me. Sin, you don't get to enslave me because I've been set free in Jesus Christ. So you have power. See, knowing God, salvation in Jesus gets you into heaven. You don't need anything else. But my heart's plea is for you that you would want to live out your new life to the fullest while you're here on earth that you can find freedom, you can discover purpose, and you can make a difference. You've got the resources. Consistently connect to them. But there's one more thing that you need to connect to in order to find freedom. It's not just resources. It's relationships. First and foremost, it's connecting to your relationship with God, but you've done that by knowing God. And you're connecting to God through prayer and through through reading of the word. It's, it's so important on your journey to freedom. But so is your relationships with people. You show me your friends, I'm going to show you your future. Here at Avenue Church, we believe that life was not meant to be lived out alone. We believe that real life change happens in the context of authentic relationships. Which is why our church is made up of groups See, as we grow larger and larger, we want to make sure that our church is actually growing smaller and smaller in groups that people are connecting with real friendships, real authentic relationships, because it's people in those relationships that are going to help you on your journey to freedom. I told you I got saved at 18 years old and I was lonely because I was no longer hanging out with the friends that I had lived a life of just craziness with. And my stepdad knew that if I was going to make it on my journey to freedom, because hear me, I got saved. I I loved Jesus and I wanted to live for him. But my stepdad knew that if I didn't connect with people who were also living for God, who shared the same values and the same purpose and the vision, I was not going to make it. And so my stepdad paid a young Christian man 20 bucks. Now, hold on for a second. I was a fairly attractive young adult. I was fairly attractive. Did you really have to pay somebody 20 bucks to take me out? He paid him $20 to take me to a young adults group so that I can make some friends because my dad knew I would not complete my journey to freedom if I was trying to do it by myself. Small groups are essential. Relationships are essential on finding our freedom. Why? Because it's a place to connect with others. We have to connect. We were built to connect. We are relational beings. And small groups are also not just a place to connect, but it's a place to protect each other. See, in a small group, we're not exposing each other's weaknesses. That's not protecting. We're protecting one another by loving one another, by seeing the Egypt in one another and and, and believing that God is going to remove that, but I'm protecting you. See, 1 John 3.16 says, we know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give our lives up for our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
You see, I, 13 years ago, I, I began a small group. <laughs> I entered into a small group. And if you could put the picture up, those are the young adults that I started a school of ministry with. We had common values, common interests, common goals. And we became so close that we saw the Egypt in one another, but we loved each other through it. And we loved each other through it so much that we didn't let Egypt stay in one another. Do you know that 13 years later, we're still friends. We're still friends. In fact, there's a, a feisty little friend in there. My friend Gracia, man, she's the girl who calls out Egypt in my life. I remember one day she was telling me I was still having a control problem. She said, Lindsay, I love you. But that Egypt in you, that, that, that control issue, that's, that's got it. That's got to be gone. And she told me, <laughs> she told me like it was. And I didn't call her for two days. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I didn't call her. A couple days later, I called her. But I'm so grateful that I have her in my life because you need friends that are going to say, God has more for you. And, and that little piece of Egypt can't stay in there because you're better than that. God in you is bigger than that. And in those small groups, we protect one another. You see, this group of friends 13 years later, man, we have had some great victories together. I've received phone calls from some of these people when they're just broken and they're suffering. And, and I hurt with them in their pain. But I also cheer with them when things are going good. We protect one another. We love one another. And we also grow together. You see, small groups, that's a, that's a place to grow together. Scripture says is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We're preparing to launch groups here at Avenue Church. And I want to get us prepared to recognize and realize that if we want to live out a life of freedom, if we want to experience this new life that is in Jesus Christ, we have to do it in the context of authentic relationships. And authentic relationships can pre be provided for you in a small group. See, in this room, there are two types of people. I could break it down into two types of people. Number one are those who are still in Egypt. You, you haven't experienced salvation. You are still living in the power of death. You're still living in sin. And you do not have Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. And then there's a second group of people, which are those who still have some Egypt in them. And hear me, that should be all of us. So if I'm to ask you, and I want you to be honest, I want our eyes to be open. If there's anyone in this room and you're saying, yes, Pastor Lindsay, I do have a little bit of Egypt in me and I, I want it to come out. I don't want it to be in my life anymore. I want you just to shoot up a little hand right here. Yeah, my hand's up too. That's most of us. It should be all of us because guess what? We're not perfect. But I don't know about you, I feel better knowing that I'm in a room with people who are a work in progress, not people who are perfect. My anchor verse for my life with Christ, my walk with Christ has always been Philippians 1.6. It says, be confident in this, that Jesus Christ who began a good work in you is going to carry it out to completion to the day he comes back for us. And so God is working things out constantly in my life, constantly removing more and more Egypt. And I pray for us this morning that we would want to be more like Christ that we would want to have that freedom and that new life. So for everyone in this room who has a little bit of Egypt in you, I wanna pray for you, dear Heavenly Father. I'm so grateful for the transparency in this room. 
I'm thankful, Father, that you call us your masterpiece, that we are so loved by you. And I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would give us the courage you would give us the strength to keep walking this walk of freedom, even if it's not going as fast as we would like. That you would give us patience. You would give us endurance. That you would, God, send the right people into our lives. God, I pray that our hearts would be opened to those who are here at Avenue. That we would start to form authentic relationships. We would start connecting with one another. We would see that we would be protecting one another and growing with one another. Father, you made the church such a beautiful thing and to serve one another, God, in this journey to freedom. So I ask God that not one person, not one person would decide to remain in Egypt, but we would all decide to walk out this journey, believing that one step at a time, you're removing more and more Egypt out of us. God, I trust you. I love you. And I believe for the best for all of our lives. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you.